Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Good evening and welcome to The Source. I am Caitlin Collins, live from Israel, where tonight we are seeing just how fluid that temporary truce between Israel and Hamas really is. We've now learned that no hostages will be released and fighting will not stop before Friday at the earliest. There was no explicit reason given for the delay of the implementation of this deal that was supposed to begin just a few hours from now. But an Israeli official says the details are still being hammered out as Israel has still not received names of the first hostages that are set to be released by Hamas. Here's where the broad outline of that deal stands as we are right now. At least 10 hostages who were kidnapped 47 days ago are expected to be freed per day, with 10 more being released each day after that for at least four days, though officials are hopeful it could potentially last even longer than that. In exchange, Israel will release 150 Palestinian prisoners, women, and children. The vast majority of those who are eligible for release are male teenagers between the ages of 16 to 18. There will be a temporary pause in the fighting and a surge in the desperately needed humanitarian assistance sent into Gaza. But right now, that fighting is continuing, and Israel has been hitting targets in northern Gaza throughout the day, as we have seen and our teams on the ground have been watching. CNN's chief global affairs correspondent, Matthew Chance, is here with me in Tel Aviv. I mean, we expected this to start just a few hours from now. It was never really that concrete based on conversations with officials, I think. But what is the what is the sense of why this is happening and whether or not this will be the only delay? Well, I mean, first of all, we don't we don't know exactly why um, the, the officials that we've spoken to have been a bit vague about it. But they're saying it's nothing serious. It's just minor implementation. Uh, issues. Uh, there's no sense in which this uh, this deal has been derailed in any way. We're talking about things like uh, the fact that it seems there hasn't been uh, a full list of potential hostages to be released, uh, given over to the Israelis yet, or there's been some confusion about that. It, it turns out that the Israelis nor Hamas have actually signed any deal, and, and that's a potential problem as well. But, but again, nothing that would necessarily you know, derail this entire process. Nevertheless, it's, there is this delay. It's a delay in the pause of the violence, a delay in the hostages coming out. And that's obviously very damaging for Gaza, very frustrating uh, for the families as well who are waiting with anxiety to see their loved ones come out. That's really interesting that neither Israel nor Hamas has actually signed this multi-page agreement that we know they've been hammering out the details on. Once it does happen, if it does happen as scheduled for Friday, what is that logistically and operationally going to look like? Well, I mean, again, I think that's another reason. It's going to be complicated. I mean, there are lots of moving parts. Gaza is a destroyed territory in, in large part. And, of course, Hamas need to move these hostages to a place where they can be transferred you know, to the ICRC and, and, and eventually to Israeli custody. Uh, my understanding is, from the conversations I've been having with Israeli officials, is that they'll, the hostages will come out in a batch of about 10 or 12 um, and they'll be moved back into via Egypt and moved back into Israel at three different locations. It's mainly going to be children. Um, um, and children under the age of 12, I've been told, will be met at the border uh, by their loved ones. Children over the age of 12, they'll meet their loved ones at 
the hospitals they're going to be taken to you know, inside inside Israel. Yeah, and then you know if if the injuries are dealt with, then you've got the psychological problems. I was speaking to a, a you know a counselor earlier today. There's a whole team of people in Israel waiting to try and sort of you know manage those traumas that are inevitably going to be part of you know being released as a hostage. Yeah, we heard from those two elderly women who were released. They, I mean the. Daylight just shocked him after being underground for so long. Matthew Chansker reporting will continue to check back in with you. Thank you. And for the families of these hostages, this delay has only prolonged the anguish, the anticipation that they've already been feeling for 47 days now. Joining me tonight is someone who knows that feeling, unfortunately, all too well, Omer Louboutin Grenote, who is the founder of the Hostages and Missing Families Forum. Omer's cousin and her three children were kidnapped by Hamas on that day. Her husband and oldest daughter had been murdered, and Omer joins me now. Omer, I can only imagine just the roller coaster of emotions that you have felt as this deal has been hammered out behind the scenes. Are you hopeful that it is actually going to happen this time? Uh, we are, of course. We're eagerly waiting to see them uh, coming back home, um, and we hope that it's happening. And have you heard anything from either the Israeli government or any officials about, about whether or not your family is going to be in this initial group of hostages that we, are, we believe are going to be released? We have no information about it. You know, we hear some um, rumors on the media and on the social media, but we're trying not to give them um, much attention. We're trying to stay focused. We're trying to wait and, and, and understand that if they're coming tomorrow or the day after, it's still a long struggle. Uh, it's a struggle to help them recover and help them get back to normal life as much as possible. And it's a struggle to all of us, all the Israeli community, all the Jewish community, um, to bring all of them back home, each and every one of them. We heard from some of the families that they found out about this agreement, which is the closest that you know they've come the one actually happening from, from the media. Is that how you found out about it as well? It's been a while that we understand that our talks and mediation and some negotiation, we understand that there is an important role of the Americans and the Qataris, but yes, a lot of the information we get is from the media. I'm, that's just shocking, I think, to hear from a, from a lot of people that it would be, you know, the media that you're finding out about this from, not from the government or officials. And I know the group that you founded, Hostage Forum, has done a lot in this effort to, to unite families, to bring them together around this one cause, which every single family wants, which is for their loved ones to come home. What can you tell us about the hostages, you know, that will remain in Gaza beyond this pause, that may not be in that initial group that is coming home right now? If the rumors are true, and, and this is the group that we are talking about, you know, children and their mothers, there is still probably 180 people that will still remain hostage in Gaza. You have elderly women and men, you have people from different nationalities, American, Canadians, Germans, um, people from Thailand, the Philippines, all over the world. Um, some of them are 20, some of them are 24, some of them are fathers that we might see their children coming back without them. So it's only to think about it, it's devastating. And this is why I think that after this deal, we will keep and, and, and fight to seek the next one because this is the, the main, I think one of the most fundamental values of Israel is solidarity. 
This is a core value in our nation. And in the Families Forum, we are all standing in solidarity together to bring all of them home. So it doesn't matter who's coming back tomorrow, and we will do whatever we can to give them the, you know, the support that they need. We will still have to keep and fight Hamas, keep and fight this horrible terrorist organization, because we still have so many people inside, innocent people, and, and the fact that Hamas is, you know, differentiate between young or, or older or I don't know what, this is horrible as well, and they're all innocent that were held hostage. And it's a global issue that we all need to address. So you're saying that, you know, from what you've heard from these families, that even if their loved one is one of the first hostages to come home, they won't be happy until all of the hostages have been able to come home. I'm sure of it. This is what we are doing in the Hostages Families Forum. This is what we're doing globally. We're doing it here in New York. We have groups in D.C., in California, in Israel, all over the world. And we are all devoted to this cause and have great partners here in the American government, in the Israeli government. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you, you make of what we heard from the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, earlier, saying that the Red Cross will be able to go in to check on the hostages who are not part of that initial group that is released. Do you believe that that, that is vital, A, and that the Red Cross has been assertive enough about making sure that they can get contact with these hostages to check on their well-being, given how long it's been that they have been in the captivity of Hamas? We're truly hopeful that it will happen. We had a couple of meetings with the Red Cross here in New York and in DC and also in Israel. Uh, we hope that they will do their part, their show a lot of devotion and they promised us that they will do it. But unfortunately Hamas, as the irrational player they are, they're not allowing it. So this is the place where we ask and demand the international community to urge them and help the ICRC to visit the hostages because we know some of them are injured. We know some of them need medical treatment. We know some of them need their medicines. Um, it's very complicated and I really, really hope and pray for it to happen because it's, it's a matter of, of life and death. Are you hopeful? Do you want this temporary pause to become a permanent ceasefire? I'm saying with a very heavy heart, unfortunately not. I've been a peace activist for a decade. This is what I do for a living in normal days. And I'm sure that there is a lot of hostages that are also um, coming from, you know, disbelief and values and a lot of families. But unfortunately, the only way to reach this deal that we're seeing or about to see is fighting Hamas, the pressure that Israel and the US government has applied on them. If it's by military means, diplomatic means, economical means, by mediation or negotiation, this is what made the deal happen. And this is what will make the deal happen again, because we need another deal after it. It's not that if we have a ceasefire for good, Hamas will open their gates and allow the people to go back home. Because there was a ceasefire, actually. There was a ceasefire until October 6th. And Hamas break it. And they not break and, and they did it in the most horrible way that the heart can bear. They did it by kidnapping babies while murdering their parents. My cousin Chen became a hostage, a widow and a bereaved mother on the same day. Their house is burned. All of their families from Kibbutz Kfar Aza 
they don't have house to come back to. So if we will not keep pressuring Hamas, by all means, we will not bring our hostages home and we wouldn't have the security on the borders that we're trying to achieve. And I really, really hope in the most earnest way that eliminate Hamas from power would bring better future to people from both sides, Palestinians and Israelis. A notable answer there. I know, Mayor, we're just, we're thinking of you and your family. We can't even imagine how difficult, not just the last several days, but also, you know, this, this entire time. Omer Lubaton Grenote, thank you for your time tonight and for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Ahead, a question of what this is going to look like when families like Omer's will get more answers. What can a member of Israel's government tell us about the delay in this truce, this temporary truce that has been negotiated between Hamas and Israel, and which hostages may be the first to be released. We'll speak with an Israeli official right after this. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressing the public earlier for the first time since Israel's cabinet approved the terms of this hostage deal, making clear that he believes this truce is only temporary. Citizens of Israel, I'd like to be clear, the war continues. The war continues. We will continue with it until all our goals are achieved. To bring back the hostages, to demolish Hamas. Here with me now is a member of Israel's Knesset and Israel's former ambassador to the United Nations, who you've seen many times on this show, Danny Danone. Ambassador, thank you for being back here. Good to be with you in person. Do you know why this there's a delay in the implementation of this agreement between Israel and Hamas? Caitlin, we are dealing with a very cynical terrorist organization which is being led by a psychopath. So you never know. So it's not done until it's done. Uh, as of now, we haven't received the names of the children and families that were supposed to be released uh, today. Uh, and the agreement says that they will get the names every day in advance, and then uh, it will happen. So we hope that it will happen on Friday, but we are not sure. And how far in advance do you expect to get the names? Because we know it's supposed to begin around 10 a.m. local here tomorrow, initially, before that. And the fact that here we are now at 4.17 a.m., you still haven't gotten it. What's Israel's expectation there? So the expectation was that on on, a, on morning of, of Thursday, actually we'll start to see people coming into Israel. Uh, that's what we were prepared for. 
We realized tonight, very late tonight, after the press conference of the prime minister, that it's not happening uh, on Thursday. So we hope that it will happen on Friday morning. And is the, the delay and the pause in fighting part of this as well? There is no pause. We are fighting now. As we speak, we are bombing uh, certain targets in Gaza. Right, and so tomorrow the fighting will be delayed. Will, and tomorrow we will continue to target. So once we will get the names and we know it's happening, then we will pause our activities. Are you confident that this deal is going to hold, that this is just a temporary delay in the implementation of it? We don't know. And I want to remind you, in 2014, there was a ceasefire that was uh, brokered by the UN back then, and they kidnapped the Israeli soldier during the ceasefire. So it's very sensitive. We are committed to bring back the hostages. But at the same time, we're going to be on high alert. We know with whom we are dealing. Has Hamas signed this agreement yet, from your understanding? No, from my understanding, they haven't signed it yet. You know, the Qataris were brokering the, the deal. They wanted to have some kind of a, of a signature. Uh, and I think now they realize that they also have issues with Hamas. It's not, not only us not trusting them, but I think also the Qataris realize that they're dealing with a terrorist organization. What about Israel? Has Israel signed the agreement yet? So once the government of Israel voted on it uh, last night, and the Supreme Court actually decided not to intervene in that decision, it's a done deal. We are willing to sign it. Okay, so that's the question of once it's signed by Hamas. Uh, what Prime Minister Netanyahu said today, he said that the Red Cross is going to be able to go into Gaza for the hostages who are not part of that initial group that's released. Is there confidence in the Israeli government that that is actually going to happen, that, that the Red Cross is going to be able to make contact with the rest of these hostages? That is very important for us. We have sick people, elderly, who are being held for almost 50 days in captivity. They, they need their uh, medicines. So we are pushing for that. It's part of the agreement, but uh, I don't know if it will happen. You know, in, in the past, we haven't seen the Red Cross very active when it comes to Israeli prisoners. You know, when it comes to uh, terrorists in our jail, they allow visitation, the family, they're very active. But when it comes to our people in Gaza, 50 days, I haven't heard even one statement from the Red Cross. Okay, so you're skeptical that that's going to happen. I am curious about the outlines of this agreement as we understand it now. It's 50 hostages in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners that are being held in Israel. How was that number agreed to, that three-to-one ratio? So we, we focused on, on, on the babies, and we have babies. 10 months old. We have twin sisters, three years old. So we focused on, on the babies and the mothers that would be the first one to come back home. Uh, and they brought up uh, the request uh, to release uh, women and teenagers. By the way, some of the teenagers that they want us to release committed a crime a few months ago, stabbing Israelis, trying to murder Israelis. So we are fighting for innocent babies that are actually negotiating for killers. So why not release them one for one? I mean, why, why is it a three to one ratio? That's a good question. When you look back at the, the deal with Gilad Shalit, we, we released more than 1,000 prisoners for one Israeli soldier. So we care more about the lives of our people. Well, and people have been critical of that agreement, what was agreed to with Gilad Shalit, because they said a lot of those prisoners who were released then went on and helped you know, contribute to this cycle of terror. Are you worried about that happening here with who you're about to release? For sure. Look at Ikhya Sinwar himself. He was a part of the Gilad Shalit deal. And when he came back to Gaza, he became the leader of, of Hamas, and he's conducting these terror acts against us. So we take that into consideration. But part of our, our Jewish tradition is to fight to release any hostage. We know we're going to pay a price for that. Also, our troops now will be in Gaza for four days, five days, will not be able to defend themselves. It's a challenge. We're taking that risk. 
Okay, so it sounds like you're a bit skeptical of the the outlines of this deal. President Biden spoke with the Egyptian president, Sisi, earlier today, and it was a notable statement that came out of the White House where he said that under no circumstances will the U.S. permit forced relocation of Palestinians or redrawing Gaza's borders. What's Israel's response to that? Uh, We agree with that. We are not talking about any forced uh, relocation. Uh, We are focused on the goal of eradicating Hamas, not the people in Gaza. We make that distinction. That's why we, we move very slowly. Look, 47 days, the IDF could have been already in the, in the border with Egypt. So we take the time in order to minimize casualties of, of civilians. Uh, and I think many in the Arab world are, are afraid from Palestinian refugees coming and knocking at their door. Maybe they should consider accepting limited number of refugees from Gaza to their countries. Well, you had talked about the U.S. also doing that, but they're saying they're not going to to move these Palestinians. No, I I never said the U.S. I I think all the nations of the world should actually think about accepting symbolic number of refugees from Gaza, allowing them to come for a temporary or permanent stay. As we've seen questions about whether or not Israel's next moves in Gaza is going to happen further in the south. Right now, most most of the activity has been in the north. We are told that the U.S. has been encouraging Israel, urging Israel to create these safe zones in the south. Is that something that Israel is going to do? Uh, I believe we'll do that without getting into the details, but we, we want to protect the civilians, to create safe areas for them, like we did in the north. We allowed them to move. We took the time. Uh, I believe we'll do the same in the south and the center. We are committed to go after Hamas everywhere in Gaza. Now we are conducting the war only in the northern part of Gaza. But in order to eradicate Hamas, we're going to have to go to the center, to the south, to the border with Egypt, to chase them until they surrender, or we kill all them all. Well, there were some strikes on corridors that civilians were trying to use to get out of the north. But you're saying that you do believe Israel will create those safe zones in the south for civilians in Gaza. Absolutely. We will do everything according to international law. And unlike Hamas, we want to minimize the casualties of civilians in Gaza. They want to see exactly the opposite. Ambassador Danny Danone, as always, thank you for thank your you time very here much. on the source. Thank you. Appreciate you. Of course, as we monitor these ongoing developments here in Israel, we are also getting updates on what is happening at home. That deadly car explosion at the U.S.-Canada border near Niagara Falls. The crash disrupted ground and air travel on what is obviously one of the busiest travel days of the year. Officials there say right now, no indication it was a terror attack. So what did happen? We'll speak to our experts right after this. This just in to CNN, as we are learning from the White House, President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden will travel to Atlanta on Tuesday for a tribute service for former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who passed away on Sunday at the age of 96. We are told Vice President Kamala Harris and the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, will also be in attendance. A funeral service for Rosalind Carter is expected to take place the following day on Wednesday for her family and invited friends. We'll continue to keep track of that. We're also following another story here tonight. A key bridge on the U.S.-Canadian border is still closed after a vehicle exploded earlier today. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says after a briefing, this does not appear to be terrorism. That ball of flame that you see there, that was the result of a car slamming into a checkpoint on the American side of the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls. On surveillance video, you can see the car was going so fast it became airborne upon impact. The vehicle then exploded. At least one person in that car, we are told, was from Western New York. We're learning more about this tonight. I want to bring in CNN's chief law enforcement analyst, John Miller. 
John, you know, with the governor saying that right now, from what she has seen, what she has been briefed on, there is no indication of terrorism here. What are the other explanations and possible scenarios that investigators are looking into tonight? Well, Caitlin, you have to understand because of where you are in the world and how that has driven the threat picture after days of warning of an increased threat in New York. When you have a car explode in the secondary inspection area um, at a key border crossing, that set off all the alarms. Uh, it was pretty unclear in the beginning exactly how that happened. But as they went backwards through it, looking at the videotapes, pulling additional videos, seeing where that car came from, a story emerged uh, about a man and his wife who had intended to go to a concert uh, by the group KISS. Instead, uh, when that was canceled, they went to a casino on the New York State side of the border, um, left in their Bentley um, vehicle, and, uh, and then apparently had this accident. What caused the accident? Still unknown, but it does not appear to be terrorism. And John, obviously, you know, you mentioned what is happening here in Israel, obviously has everyone on high alert. But also, you know, what are we seeing that high alert look like actually in place around the region, especially given it's a holiday weekend? A lot of people are on the road or in the airports and traveling. Well, you're seeing additional security. You're seeing a lot of overtime. One of the things that was remarkable about this incident today was the speed with which it came together in terms of uh, the FBI, Matt Miraglia and his team from the Buffalo Field Office and the Joint Terrorism Task Force, Customs and Border Protection, ATF, the Niagara County Sheriff, um, launched a major operation, which is how they were able to peel these layers back. But at the same time, you have the NYPD um, protecting the Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade tomorrow. And, um, and they did a briefing about no credible threats, but a very layered increased security approach um, to protecting it. Yeah, I mean, we even heard from the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, within, you know, not long after this actually happened, where he very quickly told Parliament uh, what he knew, and then he left to go get further briefings. John, what are the next steps in an investigation like this even look like? Well, what they'll be doing is trying to figure out from what they can from those videos, from whatever parts they can recover from that vehicle, which was literally obliterated uh, when it landed in that high energy impact having flown across the highway. They'll be looking at the social media belonging to this man who comes from a known family in a known community of Grand, Isle, Grand Island, New York, um, to see if there were things going on in the background of his life. Uh, was this a medical issue? Uh, did he possibly pass out at the wheel? Was he under the influence of some substance or, or alcohol and was speeding? Uh, those are the questions they're going to be looking at um, to figure out whether this had some criminal nexus or not. Um, at the end of the day, he has perished, and apparently so has his wife who was in the car with him. So uh, this will be more about getting answers than seeking justice. Yeah, a lot of answers still remain. John Miller, thank you for that reporting. Thanks, Caitlin. Back to the pending release of hostages here in Israel as families are waiting to see if their loved ones are going to be released from Gaza. It has been an anguishing wait for over 200 of them. For many of them, like my next guest, it is still not over. They're not getting their hopes up yet. His son, Itai, is an American serving in the IDF among the hostages, not expected to be freed in the initial group. 
how he's holding up, what he's focused on as this potential truce is getting closer. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. For the first time since Hamas kidnapped them into Gaza on October 7th, the families of the hundreds of hostages may now receive word on the conditions of their loved ones. Today, we heard from the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who confirmed that the Red Cross is expected to be allowed to visit and to offer medical support to those who were not initially released at the beginning of this deal negotiated with Hamas. And joining me now is Ruby Chen, the father of U.S. Israeli citizen and IDF soldier Itai Chen, who is believed to be one of the more than 200 hostages being held inside Gaza tonight. Thank you for joining me. I know that we're you know, hours away from this deal that everyone is so hopeful will happen as planned. Have you heard anything from the U.S. or Israeli government as an update as we are getting closer to that start time? Yeah, so as a U.S. Uh, citizen, we... Uh had an update uh, from the uh, State Department and a few other of the uh, executive branches uh, of the United States a couple of hours ago. They did uh, talk about the uh, deal, which mostly what has been public, so nothing that new from that aspect. Uh, but the deal is being led from the Israeli side, meaning any information that will come from the Hamas side will first come to the Israeli authorities and then uh, will be notified the families, and then if they are dual citizens, such as U.S. or U.K. or whatever, then they will be notified. So the Israelis are the one that will have the initial information. And have you heard anything from them? As We've heard from other families who say they actually have not gotten updates from the Israeli government. They've instead been learning about this agreement from the media. Yeah, I think that the uh, Israeli uh, government can uh, maybe uh, take a few lessons from the uh, U.S. how to manage uh, relationships uh, with families. Uh, it's something maybe a bit new to the Israelis. The Israelis have been catching up, but uh, we, as the U.S. Uh, citizens, have been a bit uh, privileged. You know, from day one, we have been embraced from the uh, Biden administration, from President Biden himself, that after four days, I think, uh, wanted to get on a call mm -hmm. with all of the U.S. Uh, families, a call that was supposed to last for 15 minutes. Actually, after 15 minutes, uh, his aide uh, wanted to move the president on to the next topic, but the president uh, looked at the aide and told him, last time that I checked, I am the president of the United States of America and I will decide when this meeting ends. And he stayed on the call for 90 minutes with us, where I think he has a few other things on his mind. So it was highly important for him that the message resonates yeah. with us, that there's no other topic that is more important to him well, uh, and honestly, administration. getting the U.S. hostages home is a priority we've heard from them. Your son is also an IDF soldier, and what we have heard from our reporting is that this first group is expected to be Israeli women and children. Your son is not expected to be among that, that category of the first. I mean, how are you processing the, the hope of a deal 
of some hostages coming home, but also knowing your son is not likely to be in that initial group. So I have uh, 240 new family members. And I'm sure when you have a family member that has a joyful event, you celebrate together with them. So that is the feeling that I think all of us share with the expectation or hope that the foundation of this first leg of a deal will be a continuation for the next leg and another leg until all of the hostages are back home with their families. What would your message be to, to the Israeli government about the importance of making sure that they are all brought home, that it's not just this initial group? I think that we have the complete population of the state of Israel behind the hostages' family. I think there is no victory that can be portrayed without having the full 240 hostages released and back home with their loved ones. Do you want to see this pause go on until all the hostages are, are brought home, are released from Gaza? Yeah, that's a little bit above my pay grade. I'm an international businessman, like I know how to do M&As, and I think it is very challenging, and I think there needs to be a degree of cautious uh, when trying to answer those types of questions without having full information of the dynamics of the uh, negotiations going on. So I think we all, I think, want to see this release of hostages happen. I think we need to thank the Biden administration and his team for working around the clock. I also want to thank the Qatar government for being vital to making this transaction happen. And we need to urge the international community that believes that this is a humanitarian crisis and has nothing to do with politics to be behind this effort to get all the hostages back home. And what we do know is the Red Cross is expected to go in. There's some skepticism about being able to reach all the hostages, but Prime Minister Netanyahu did say that they are expected to go in. I mean, what does that give you hope that at least your son even if he's not able to be released, that he will be able to be tended to by an outside organization to, to check on his health. Yes, yeah, so as we all know, the international law had accords, you know, specifies even in the act of uh, war, conflict, there are basic principles that each side should adhere to. Unfortunately, the Hamas terrorist organization is not a state such as Cuba, North Korea, so they work on a different uh, level of, uh, of how they operate and function. That is really unfortunate. We, I think, as a minimum, should demand that the Red Cross indeed provides initial medical care and ability to identify the hostages and their well-being. And you used to live in the U.S. You know Thanksgiving is a time families, friends gather. It's been 47 days now since you've seen your son. I wonder what you're thinking of uh, on, as you approach you know, what typically is a time of gathering for families in the United States and what your message to them would be. So uh, I think Thanksgiving is one of those uh, cross-religion uh, holidays where I think all religions celebrate it. We have been celebrating Thanksgiving ever since I was a little kid, you know, having a good meal with the family members and watching some football and enjoying the day with family. I would uh, like to uh, ask all of the U.S. families that are celebrating Thanksgiving, please have an empty seat for the hostages. Remember that there are families that are not whole. 
And all that we ask is that you call up your congressman, call up your senator, ask them, what are you doing in order to bring the hostages back home and solve this humanitarian problem? Ruby Chen, we're thinking of you and your family, and I'm, I'm just grateful that you came on to talk about to talk about your son, Atai, and we're hopeful that he comes home soon. Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you very much. It's obviously a very fluid situation here on the ground in Israel. When we return, we'll go behind the scenes on the details of these painstaking negotiations that have gone into this hostage deal, now delayed until Friday. That's right after this. The delicate nature of this hostage deal means that President Biden has spent days working on the phone, speaking with world leaders. He's in Nantucket for the Thanksgiving holiday, but he spent the afternoon today on the phone with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the Emir of Qatar, the President of Egypt. All of these calls centering around what we are waiting on, this hostage deal to actually go into place. What we know that has gone into that are intensive negotiations to get those hostages out of Gaza. After all, it was just Monday when the White House's John Kirby said this. We're working that through literally in real time uh, with, uh, with both sides. But here we are in a negotiation and we're getting closer to the end, we believe, of that negotiation. We know from our sources these negotiations have been going on for weeks, starting almost immediately after that October 7th attack. Remember when those two Americans, Natalie and Judith Renan, were first released? Officials described that moment as a key shift in the talks that were happening behind the scenes because it proved to U.S. officials that there was a secure line of communication with Hamas, that that did exist. The foundation of this deal that we appear to be on the verge on has been in place for nearly a month, we are told. President Biden himself has been pushing for an agreement behind the scenes, speaking to the prime minister here in Israel at least 13 times since October the 7th. For more on how we expect all of this to work out, I am joined by CNN's Alex Morquart. Alex, obviously, you know, there is a very fluid nature to what is happening here. We're seeing that play out in real time, given we thought this was going to start a few hours from now. Now it's been delayed until Friday at the earliest. How critical, though, are those first steps going to be once they are agreed to between Israel, Hamas, and all the mediators in between? These are extremely important first steps, Caitlin. The fates of almost 240 hostages hang in the balance. Of course, we don't know how many are alive and, and how many are not. But as you say, there have been weeks and weeks of what a Biden administration official called excruciating talks. Uh, it has taken a month, exactly a month since the last hostage release of two Israeli women on October 23rd to get to this point, to be on the cusp of seeing at least, we hope, 50 hostages uh, being released in the coming days, civilian women and children. I was speaking with an official who has been briefed on the discussions earlier today who told me that this first swap is the most crucial to see that this mechanism is working as was agreed. If this mechanism works, Caitlin, then that pause, this four-day pause, could be extended to allow more women and children uh, to be released. Uh, the conversations could, could continue for, for some of the other hostages uh, to be released. So, so this is extremely important. That's why there's so much concern uh, about this delay. That's why there's, there's this fear that something went wrong. We are being assured uh, by the White House that this is just a question of logistics and implementation, that the expectation still is uh, that things will go, uh, will, will start in motion on Friday morning, Caitlin. 
Okay, so that's really interesting. So basically, officials are viewing, you know, because we're, we're told it's going to be about 10-ish on the first day hostages, and then that's supposed to continue for the, for the next several days. But basically, the first day is going to be kind of a trial run. Yeah, and the expectation is that over the course of these four days of pause, that 50 will be uh, released. So you could see 10 one day, you could see 20 one day, uh, I'm told. But, but the, the, the basics of how this is going to unfold, uh, we're told, is that the night before each uh, release, so over the course of at least the first four days, both Israel and Hamas will present a list of who they plan to release the next day. So the Israelis will put forward a list of the Palestinian prisoners that they plan to release. The uh, Hamas will put forward a list of the hostages they plan to release. This goes to the Red Cross. In Gaza, those hostages will be handed over to the Red Cross, like we've seen in the past two releases. Uh, those hostages, whether it's 10, 15, or whatever the number is, they will be taken to the Rafah crossing with Egypt. At that point, that is where they will be met by Israeli soldiers, we, we, we are told, and they will verify the identities of those hostages being released. That is absolutely critical. They don't want to get uh, the hopes of families up. Um, so only at that moment will the families be told then uh, those Israeli citizens will be taken back to Israel for medical treatment and where they will be able to meet with their families, Caitlin. Yeah, just the beginning and what is going to be a longer recovery process for them. Alex Marquardt, thank you for that reporting. Up next, it's a somber anniversary today. It has been 60 years, it's almost hard to believe it, to the day since John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The speech that he was supposed to deliver that day why it's resonating six decades later, not only here in Israel, but also around the world. It was 60 years ago today that President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed by an assassin in a shock to the stunned nation. He was supposed to give a speech that Texas day meant to unify the country at a time of conflict and division. The 35th president never had the chance should do so. Parts of it, however, still resonate with the moment that we find ourselves in now, especially this from the end. Quote, we in this country, in this generation, are by destiny rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility, that we may exercise our strength with wisdom and restraint, and that we may achieve in our time and for all time the ancient vision of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Those words that were set to be delivered 60 years ago today. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll be back here tomorrow from Israel. CNN Newsnight with Abby Phillips starts right now. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.